Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. This is episode number 123, and we are seriously so excited <laughs> to have Liesl, also known as Mommy Labor Nurse, on Instagram with us mm-hmm. today. And she's been so much fun. We just wasted like 15 minutes just <laughs> chatting and trying to get our technology figured out because, you know, technology sometimes is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we asked you guys what questions you would have for a labor and delivery nurse. And we sent her some of the very best questions and she's going to answer those during this episode. Sounds but good. Before we get to that, um, <laughs> I want to go ahead and read her bio after our intro. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Welcome back, Women of Strength. We are really excited, as you already know, to have Lisa with us today. And I'm just going to read her a little bio about her so that you guys can know a little bit more about her background. Lisa is a labor and delivery nurse from Raleigh, North Carolina. She is a mom, wife, and business owner. She works part-time at the hospital she delivered her own son at and spends the rest of her time blogging and creating captivating Instagram content for her brand, Mommy Labor Nurse. Little plug in here, if you have not followed her yet on Instagram, you need to go follow Mommy (laughs) Labor Nurse on Instagram right now. Like right now. (laughs) Thanks. Like pause this and go follow. <laughs> she started her brand in February of 2018 as a way to educate more moms in the online space about the birth process. After having such a fulfilling birth experience at her hospital, she felt that she wanted to educate other moms in hopes that more moms feel empowered and educated about their births instead of scared and anxious. She has always had a passion for educating women and thoroughly enjoys spreading knowledge and awareness about birth. And I just love that because that's me. <laughs> she, she does what we try to do with feedback as well. We yeah. want we want to provide you information so you can go into your births, being confident and calm and prepared. And that's exactly what Liesl is doing with mommy labor nurse as well. Plus, her images are bomb. Like you've probably seen them before. <laughs> We've shared them many times on our own pages and we absolutely just adore her. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into the questions for her. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're, if you ever wanted to know, like, this is really cool. I think, sorry, and we're not getting right into questions. I'm going to talk a little (laughs) bit more first. (laughs) If you ever wanted to know about like the dynamics between doulas and labor and delivery nurses, this is going to be a really great way to help you get that information because sometimes the dynamic can be a little bit tricky and your birth team doesn't always like mesh and jive well together. And sometimes it is a beautiful thing. And we have a couple questions in here actually about those specific things. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned because it's sure to be um, incredible. Anyways, um, I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question and Megan, who I have not let have a chance to speak yet. (laughs) 
That's okay. You, I'll have my turn. <laughs> do, you, do you want to ask the first question and then we can just take turns? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. So the first questions or qu- first question is: Are there positions I should labor in to better my chances of a successful VBAC? Yeah. So thank you guys for having me. First of all, um, that was a great, a nice long intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm good at the long stuff. Um, no, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I was really excited to get all these questions because yeah, this is just a going to be a very chocked full episode. <laughs> so the first one, yeah, positions. Usually, what I, you know, what I teach in my course and what I tell my patients, if I have a patient who's having a VBAC, is very very similar to any other patient that I take care of who is just trying to have a plain old vaginal delivery. If they, you know, whether it's their first vaginal delivery or whether it's, you know, their second or third. And that really is, you know, try to do as many positions as you can. Okay. We don't want to stay in the same position for a really, really long time, especially if you've gotten an epidural, you don't want to just like lay on your back forever because that can kind of lead, you know, that's kind of been shown to, you know, you're not progressing as well. So we try to move. I know my, my own nurse in my labor and delivery experience, I remember her telling me to let's try and move one position, like try to do something different every 30 minutes. Okay. At least every 30 minutes. If you want to move more frequently than that, that's fine, but let's try and do something different every 30 minutes. So with VBACs, with any other, you know, mom who's laboring, but especially with VBACs, we try to do lots of upright positions if we can. So, you know, help gravity kind of pull everything down. So that means like squatting. If you want to get on, sit on the toilet for a really, really long time. I'm a big fan of just a plain old birth ball, you know, a big, (laughs) just a big old birth ball and just sitting on that birth ball because that, I feel like that just, it just helps to open up the pelvis so, so much. And there's so many different things you can do with that too. One of my favorite positions is getting that birth ball in the shower. We have like pretty big showers and just using kind of water, water therapy, like having the shower head on your back or, you know, on your front, and then you're able to kind of bounce up and down in there on the ball. But I brought up the toilet position before. I love to just let moms just kind of hang out on the toilet as long as they want to. One of my favorite things that I'm not able to do at the hospital a whole lot, but that I did at home was sitting on the toilet, but sitting backwards on the toilet and kind of putting a pillow up on that, you know, the kind of the back of the toilet and just kind of sitting there for as long as you want, because you're right there. If you have to pee, you can go pee. And it's just kind of mimicking. Yeah. It's just kind of mimicking that same position as the birth ball. You know, your legs are nice and open and your pelt, you know, it's great. It's an upright position. Gravity is pulling down and it's, you know, it's comfortable for most, most people to kind of sit that way. But yeah, lots of upright positions. Really, I mean, bottom line is doing positions that is are make you more comfortable, right? So I'm not trying to put you in all these positions that you're really like not crazy about and like, oh my gosh, this doesn't feel good. Sometimes, you know, I will say, okay, I know that there's you're having a lot of pressure, but let's try to get on your side and do this peanut ball or do this one position, even though there's you're, you know, you're having a whole lot of pressure. Let's just try to do it for three contractions to see, because 
you know, moving, doing more and more, more and more positions is going to be beneficial. I did just mention the peanut ball. That's another one of my favorite positions with those, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with them. The big, the big peanut balls, that big bouncy ball that's basically shaped like a peanut. Yes. There's so many things you can do with that (laughs) in so many different positions. So I really love that, you know, that kind of getting that in between your legs and getting all, I almost have moms get all like, you know, throw one leg up and one leg behind. And then you're, you almost want to think about being on your stomach, like turning as far as you possibly can over like that and keeping your, you know, your legs nice and open. So that's a good one. Hands and knees is great. Again, with the birth ball or the peanut ball, I like to put, if mom's like in the bed, I like to put a ball instead of like a couple pillows that, you know, if she wants pillows, that's fine. But I like the bouncy ball in, in front. So mom can kind of like have some head support right there and then doing hands and knees. So yeah, really bottom line is a position that's comfortable for you, multiple positions and upright positions. Sorry, that was kind of, that was a rant. <laughs> no, oh, it wasn't a rant. It was exactly <laughs> what we would say. Like, yeah. yep, I'm yeah. sitting here nodding, nodding. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Toilet. Oh, definitely yeah. the toilet. Love that toilet <laughs> position. <laughs> call it the dilation well. station. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love it. I love oh, it. Oh my gosh, that was a great answer. We. Yeah. I feel like, gosh, dang it, if we weren't so far away from each other, like I know, feel like we could be friends. We should yeah. hang out. Oh, oh yeah, I know. I say that all the time with people who I connect with on this online space and I go, you know, we're on each other's podcast or, or whatnot. I'm like, geez, I just really want to like work a shift with you. (laughs) Like that would just be cool. (laughs) Yes. One day we're going to have to figure out some way to like teleport. Somehow, (laughs) somehow. Wonderful. All right. We have um, a next question for you. And these, this was like two kind of questions um, combined or actually multiple people ask this, but um, what are your tips for a successful TOLAC? And for those that don't know, TOLAC stands for trial of labor after cesarean, which is just the before part. It's before Mm -hmm. your baby's born, you're technically considered a TOLAC. And then, so what are your tips for successful TOLAC? And then what is your number one tip? Like what is the best thing you think someone could do? Yeah. So we already talked about the, you know, lots of different positions. That's definitely mm-hmm. a good tip. You know, keep moving, obviously. Really, my number one tip whenever somebody is talking about, especially talking about VBAC, is find a good supportive provider who is on board with you VBACing. <laughs> that's going to go kind of the furthest, like, that's going to be your best. chance, I guess. Like if you are at a hospital or you are being cared by by a provider who is not VBAC friendly, they're not super knowledgeable in VBACs, they don't do them a lot. Maybe you're in an area where you just don't have a lot of resources. You don't have, you know, a lot of providers around you or, you know, the hospital that everybody and their mother goes to, it just doesn't do a whole lot of VBACs. You know, that's going to, going to decrease your chances First and foremost, if you're with a practice or a provider who just doesn't do them a whole lot and just doesn't have not only the resources, but not the, you know, the knowledge to take care of patients who are VBACing. So that is certainly my number one tip is to find a provider who supports you in your VBAC and who is VBAC friendly and super 
you know, encouraged to like, let's do this VBAC thing. Cause there, you know, you and I both know there are plenty of providers that are out there who just, you know, they're just still not really super familiar with them or they don't Mm -hmm. have resources at the hospital or, you know, whatever. So that definitely is big, big number one. Like I said, positioning, lots of different positions for successful VBAC kind of the same tips that I tell, again, kind of the same tips that I tell everybody who's trying to just have a normal vaginal delivery, you know, stay at home as long as you can, if you plan on going to the hospital, you know, stay at home as long as you can, kind of labor at home comfortably because that's going to help with, you know, dilation, that kind of stuff. You know, ideally you want to try and show up in active labor if you can, but, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you would have to get induced for X, Y, Z, but, you know, ideally you want to go into labor on your own, labor at home as long as you can, show up, you know, active labor, do lots of positions, have a good supportive provider, be at a good hospital that is, you know, has a good, like a, like a nice low cesarean rate if possible. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize that they, at least here in the United States, they don't realize that, that information is accessible for a lot of hospitals that they can look up their cesarean rate and say, mm-hmm. oh, wait a second, this hospital has a 35% uh, cesarean rate and this one has a 15% cesarean rate. Um, maybe maybe I should think about going to this hospital, you know? So that's really important too. I know that's actually exactly how it is here in North Carolina. There's like the hospital that I work at is very VBAC friendly and we have, you know, we do lots of VBACs and our, C- our C-section rate is actually one of the lowest in the country. I think it were like number seven or something crazy like that. But ours is like, I think the last time I looked at ours was like 14.7. And then the hospital down the road that everybody thinks is a much like, it's like a smaller hospital. It's like a much, like, it just looks fancier, I guess. Um, but their rate is like, you know, again, like 33 or 34%, which is, you know, close to the national average. But if you just look at it on blank paper, like, oh, wow, if I saw, you know, this next to this, like, why wouldn't I choose the the hospital with a really low C-section rate? So, yeah. So those, yeah, I guess those are my best tips. <laughs> those are really good, really, really yeah. good tips. And for those who want to know, you can find your the cesarean rates of your state and the hospitals in your state at the website cesareanrates.org. Yes. So that's a really good resource as well. Megan actually just texted me. She has a client and can we throw you a curveball question? Yeah, yeah. Can we yeah, sure. throw this in? Because yeah. I, I really it's kind of good question. Yeah. Okay, sure. There's been a little bit of like social media backlash about this topic pretty recently. And so we would love to get your thoughts on it. Sure. She said that she would ask you if you actually, if um, as a nurse, you guys read and honored the birth plans for mothers in general, and if there's a culture to pressure moms into medical interventions and what they do to make a good experience for the couple. This is a home birth mom. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to like throw it in and add it to, you know, women or birthing parents who are coming in as a hospital transfer that come in with birth plans and stuff like that. Like how, I don't know, how does it look for you guys? Yeah. So I guess that's kind of two different questions, but like the birth plan question, I mean, we have plenty of patients come in with birth plans all the time, (laughs) you know, whether they're home birth transfers or whether they're, you know, just, you know, you're planning on giving birth at the hospital anyways. And I would say most of the time I don't really bat 
you know, an eye at all at somebody's birth plan. I encourage them, you know, if they want to come in and, and, you know, do X, Y, Z. I always tell moms in regards to birth plans to talk again, talk to have a conversation with your provider, even before you draft up your birth plan, just because a lot of times these moms will come in, not, not even to my hospital as much, but like just that I've heard that moms will come in with these like really, really long elaborate birth plans that have all of these stipulations that we actually, their hospital actually already does. And it's like, oh, you don't have to really fight for skin to skin, or you don't really have to fight for, you know, this, like it's already, it's just standard practice. So I encourage moms to at least have the conversation before they even draft up a birth plan because they can kind of make it shorter and like we're just kind of on the same page from the get-go. And then if there is stuff that you know you want that's not standard practice and you want to make sure that your you know your nurse admitting you knows and your care team knows, absolutely write it down. It's really hard to talk during labor sometimes, so I understand like you know having like the need of wanting to write it down and like handing that to your nurse as instead of like making sure, Oh, I got to remember, remember to tell my nurse that I want, you know, this, this, and this. So like, I'm definitely somewhat of a type A person. Like I get that whole, like, I want to just make sure it's written down. So I guess that, that kind of answers the birth plan questions in regard to like a home birth transfer. So if I had a home birth transfer come in and they had, you know, a kind of, you know, elaborate birth plan, Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would try to obviously do everything they want. I mean, I'm not, you know, that's our goal is to kind of support you and not say, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. Our goal is to say, oh yeah, we can do this. No problem. Oh yeah, we can do this. This one might be a little bit hard, but we'll do our best, you know? So like we're kind of looking at more as glass, you know, half full instead of half half empty, (laughs) if that kind of makes sense. And yeah, I mean, I think nurses, uh, I mean, at least most of the nurses that I work with do a good job of really advocating for patients. And we really try to make, you know, your birth experience as, you know, as warm and, you know, as nice and warm and fuzzy as you want it to be. Um, I know I can't speak for all nurses and all providers, but that's my number one goal, you know, other than like keeping you safe and making sure you're not you know, dying or anything like, like that's my number one goal is for you to come out of this experience with a healthy mindset because I, I did. And I know how that benefited me, not only, you know, and how I felt about my birth and how I took, you know, walked away from my birth, but in motherhood and just in my whole life. So I know how important that is. And I think the narrative is, is starting to change that. It's not just like, doctors and nurses are like healthy baby, healthy mom. That's all we care about. It's like healthy baby, healthy mom and healthy mindset because mindset is so, so, so important. I love that. I love the healthy mindset. I always say healthy mom, healthy baby, good experience. Yeah. So I love the healthy mindset. I love that. Yeah. So I really, I mean, like I said, we try, we try, we try to really keep that because I know I know when we have a home birth transfer come in I already know what's on their mind you know I already know that it's like oh this was not in my plan 
at all to come to the hospital, you know? So I'm like trying to do it even more and trying to like meet their wishes even more because I know it's already tainted. Right. Right. So yeah, it's, it's hard, but we, I mean, we really, we have your best intentions. (laughs) So I think most nurses do. Like, I think I have had very, very limited, like very, very few yeah. Um, really bad experiences with clients that were treated poorly for a birth plan or whatever. Yeah. But I think that like, while you were talking, I was just had this like thought come to my mind and it just really emphasizes the importance of a dynamic between the provider, your nurse and your doula, because yeah. they all have a part in how much to plan. And I am using air quotes right now, you know, cause <laughs> you know, you can only plan so much, right? Right. Um, right. Your plan goes because ideally you as the birthing person are going to be having these conversations with your provider before you even go into labor. So anything right. outside of the ordinary will be noted in your, in your medical records. Right. And then you bring the written copy for your nurses, but it's also it's also in your medical records and it's on a piece of paper and don't bring four five page birth plan, please. Yeah. Okay, just little bullets of the most important things for you is usually pretty helpful. But then also your doula knows what you want. And so your doula, your nurse, and your provider can work together to make your birth as to plan as possible. And yeah. so um yeah, I really, really liked your answer. Yeah. Well, thanks. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So I'm just going to jump into the next question really fast since we diverted. Um, How many VBAC after two C-sections or even VBAC after multiple C-sections do you guys see? Yeah. So like I said, my hospital is very VBAC friendly. So I would say we don't see a ton, like, you know, just, yeah. I mean, we don't see a ton, but we see them probably more frequently than the average practice. And they're, you know, and like I'm talking about successful ones, but I think it's tough because a lot of providers aren't as supportive of the, you know, of somebody having two prior C-sections and then wanting to try and be back. So we're not even seeing them, uh, you know, come in to try. It's like, they're just, they're just getting scheduled, you know, as a, as a, um, as a repeat, uh, as a repeat C-section. So I think that's also an issue too, is that they, you know, do their little calculations and it's like, ah, oh, you have a 30% chance. Do you really want to yeah. take that chance? <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh no. When in reality, it's like, well, maybe, maybe she really did want to take that chance before you kind of gave her that label of like, oh, you're only this percentage. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So I think that's, and I mean, I love the providers that I work with. I'm not, I'm not bashing them at all, but I think that's probably why we don't see, or just like as a general in our country, we don't see as many of them is because they're just getting counseled at that prenatal visit. And they're saying, oh, you've had two C-sections. Do we think about VBAC? You only have this percent chance. Like probably, you know, I would say, you know, as the provider, I would say probably let's do a repeat C-section. Then the the patient is like, yeah, that, you know, that sounds okay. But yeah, it's tough. Um, But yeah, we, we see them, we see them every once in a while and they're, and they're successful and they're fine. And, you know, it's usually the most successful ones are, you know, somebody had, maybe somebody had a failure to progress the first time and then they had a breach delivery. The next, you know, it's like 
indications that are just a little bit higher success, like they had, or they had two breach deliveries and this one's, or they had two, you know, breach presentations and had C-section for that. And then they come in and, you know, their baby is head down and they just, you know, try to labor. So I struggle so much, I think in that area, because I'm like, why aren't we being counseled? Because even though like the whole VBAC calculator, you know, yeah. it's so hard. Yeah. But I wonder if a lot of hospitals would actually see more if the council was more individual versus a calculator. Right. Yeah. Agreed. You know. Agreed. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Next question. All right. Um. So we're going to just, um, I'm going to cherry pick some of these. You guys, we, okay. you guys. We had Hi. 16 questions <laughs> and those were called back. You guys asked some really good ones, but I'm going to get to the ones that um, we don't already talk about a lot or ones that, I mean, cause some of these have, have already been answered just a little bit too. Yeah. So um, I want to ask you, we all know that the most political and controversial thing about VBAC is uterine rupture. And so have you ever seen any as a nurse and, um, how did it, how did it turn out? Yeah. So I have, I've seen one real one where it it wasn't even my patient. It was like, I was helping another nurse with her patient. It was her patient and she was rupturing. We have them every once in a while, you know, someone, someone will have a rupture. That particular one, mom was fine. Baby was fine. Everything was fine. You know, they just got her back to the OR really quick and, you know, she was completely fine. I do see, I would say quite a few, uh, uterine windows. And that just means that when they do a C-section, they cut you open and they visualize your uterus. It's, it, it looks like a window. Like you can kind of see through that muscle, that uterine muscle and see baby <laughs> and see, you know, the amniotic fluid and baby. And that's, dangerous in the sense that it's, you're a little bit more likely to have a uterine rupture, but it's not purely dangerous on its own unless it, unless you do have a uterine rupture. But I do, I do see those more frequently where, you know, where we go back to the OR, maybe this isn't a patient who even was trying to be back. Maybe this is just somebody who's having a, you know, another, a repeat C-section or whatever, but I do see those, but yeah, I've only seen one true one. And kind of what happened was baby just tanked. You know, we had mom on the monitor. I, it wasn't even, like I said, it wasn't my patient. So I don't remember if she even had an epidural or she, you know, kind of what was going on with her, but yeah, baby just tanked heart rate, you know, was really unstable for a few minutes and then just like tanked. And then we just kind of had to go back. So yeah, it's always scary when it happens, but I mean, think about like, I've taken care of so many patients and been to the hospital for so many hours and I've seen one, like it's really, it's very, very, very rare. Mm -hmm. Right. Have you ever seen a uterine window in a first time mom? Second time Um, mom that ended up in a cesarean? Not a first time, like not just like not a primary C-section where she wasn't cut into at all, but definitely, definitely like a second time mom, like she had had a C-section first go yeah. around. And I'm wondering if there's any yeah. without previous cesarean. Like on an unscarred uterus. I'm sure on there an is. unscarred uterus. I'm sure there is, but it's probably low. I, I you know, I, I'm sure there, there probably is, but it's, it probably yeah. goes up a little Lower. bit. But yeah. 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 But again, that's also really, really rare too. <laughs> you know, like right. I'm thinking huh. about the number of times that I've seen just like normal VBACs. Okay. Right. Baby comes out, mom, mom is fine. Everything's fine. And then like normal C-sections 
failed VBACs who don't have windows, don't have anything crazy go on that, you know, they just ended up having a C-section at the end and that doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. it's again, just also very rare. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So I'm going to ask the, um, one of the questions, it says, what are some things you wish people would know about VBAC from your point of view? Yeah. So I think really the main, the main point that I want people to, people to know is again, like, I feel like I'm a broker record, but this is what I tell all patients trying to have any type of birth is that you have options, right? Okay. Uh, There are so many moms who, and I see so many comments on my posts or so many, I get so many DMS of moms who just, they just don't even know that VBAC is an option or they've heard of it, but it hasn't been brought up to them or they have kind of misinformation of, oh, well, I, you know, was a failure to progress the first time. Like I thought you definitely couldn't have a VBAC with it. You know, it's just like, they're not educated on that. No, you, you can absolutely try, you know, you absolutely have options. So I think that's like the main thing is that just know that you, you do have the options and it, you know, it is okay if you decide at the end of the day, you talk to your provider and you come to your own conclusion, you have, you know, you make an informed decision that, Hey, you know what? I just feel much more comfortable with having a repeat C-section. That's okay too. You know, I preach be back all day long, but you know, at the end of the day, I want people to, to feel good and come away good with their, with the right decision. So that's okay too, you know? But yeah, I think that's the main thing that you have options. I think I talked about finding a supportive provider beforehand, finding a hospital that, you know, is having a low C-section rate, just giving, giving yourself, like do as many things as you can to give yourself the best shot. Right. Cause I think a lot of times, and just even, even that first C-section, there's, there's so, so many times there's like all these factors that go into play and we call a failure to progress when it's not really a failure to progress. It's like, just give her a little bit more time. You know, it's like, there's all these factors that go into play. And so it's like, we can just take out lots of, lots of these interventions. And like, maybe this is me getting on my like, you know, intervention (laughs) spiel, but like (laughs) just take out all these factors. So you have the best shot. And you know what, if you don't, if you're, if you're not successful, then you're not successful, but yeah, just give yourself the best shot, get a good provider under your belt and yeah, you have options. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. Sorry. I think Megan and I are probably on the same exact wavelength. Guys are both like, yeah, we're like, yes. Yes. (laughs) People just don't know. Um, They just don't. I'm going to throw out some statistics here. Actually, Um, the American pregnancy association, says that 90% of women with a previous cesarean are good candidates for a VBAC. Absolutely. But only 10%, and I think that number is probably a little bit higher since they published this information, but only 10% of women with a previous cesarean will actually be allowed to or attempt to have a vaginal birth afterwards. And that's a big disparity, especially with an 80% success rate. I mean, and it's going to be more or less depending on your hospital and your provider and and if you're where you're birthing and things like that. But like most studies show a 60 to 80% rate of having a successful 
vaginal birth after cesarean. And just, just a little bit of like, we hate, we, we hate using the term success or failure for birth, but like sometimes it's appropriate when you, when you need to define, like, especially like medically for medical terminology. And so like, um, if you don't get your feedback, we don't think you're a failure because you are not a failure. You're very, very strong, but just for the sake of differentiating, it's huge. It's a huge disparity. And so yes, options, 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 options all day, every day. Yes. (laughs) And educate yourself, you know, like keep to keep doing education, keep reading about what your options are, you know, because that's the other kind of piece of the puzzle is to educate yourself on how you can, you know, use your options most appropriately. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Which is why we created our class too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we have a class and you have a class. And I mean, I think Ours is very VBAC specific, but we also encourage people taking our class and listening to our resources to have a, like a comprehensive childbirth class because we don't teach you about all the stages of labor and all of those things and about what your body is going to be doing in pregnancy and how to recognize when labor starts, like all of those things we don't cover. And so having, you can, you can never know enough. Like I swear you can you can never know enough. I still am learning things. And still sometimes in our Facebook community, I get corrected by people sometimes. And I'm like, I'm the admin of this group. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I guess I was wrong on that one. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I I agree. (laughs) I agree. I'm I'm still learning. That's what I mean. That's part of the reason I wanted to update my course so much because I learned so much just in the past year of me being here on social media and seeing you know, other information out there and learning, you know, and stuff is updating too, you know, they come out with new literature, they come out with, they do different studies on Mm -hmm. stuff and stuff changes. So that's part of the reason I wanted to change, you know, re-update my courses. But yeah, no, I love you guys. You guys are in my resource page for sure. Anybody like ding, 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 it's red, highlighted, go see these girls (laughs) in the feedback link. They have lots of good resources. Because I mean, my my course is, like you said, a comprehensive childbirth course where we teach you about stages of labor and what happens and, you know, how to get through it and all that stuff. And then my VBAC section, you know, I say absolutely, if you're planning a VBAC, you can still take my course. But my VBAC section is that is just that. It's just a section. And, you know, this is what I want you to know. A lot of this stuff is going to be similar that I've already given you information on. Here are some really great resources to check out. But that's why I love you guys and I love your course and, you know, the stuff that you offer, because it's like, if somebody were playing a VBAC, they're like, oh, I feel like this is exactly for me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's perfect. And we're going to tell you guys where to find her and her yeah. course um, at the end of the show. And we're going to link to it in the show notes. So check there. Now I want to talk about doulas. Let's yeah. talk about doulas and nurses. Some people think, some people that, think you hate them. <laughs> well, some people think that doulas hate nurses and nurses yeah. hate doulas. And some yep. people think that I don't need a doula because I have a nurse. And some people think um, I don't want anybody, anything, anywhere. I don't know where right. I'm going with that train of thought. But how do you <laughs> feel about doulas? <laughs> Sometimes so, my mind just goes like that. <laughs> you're good, uh, you're yeah, good. let's just talk about how, how what what people should look for because I know that doula and nurse team can be very, very cohesive. So can we talk about like what makes you more cohesive and responsive to doulas and what are some maybe trouble signs people should watch for when they're interviewing doulas? Yeah. 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 
No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So first off, I definitely don't hate doulas. Um, the majority of the nurses that I work with don't hate doulas. M- you know, 90% of them that I've come into contact with, they just, their main goal is to just support their patient and to, you know, stay in their lane, do all of the the comfort measures and the stuff that they are are have been trained on and know very well probably even better than I do, you know, how to like support mom in some ways and do all these positions and, you know, rub your back this way or do counter pressure this way or, you know, do whatever there. That's like their thing. So yeah, absolutely. I love them just because it makes my job a lot easier. Honestly, if I have a doula in there, not only a doula, but I have like a really supportive partner in there. Mom's trying to go without an epidural or, you know, or whatnot. And I have a doula in there who's able to do that counter pressure the whole time, or she's trading off with the partner and with me and we're all taking turns and we're all helping mom instead of me trying to do my medical stuff over here. And that it like, you know, kind of half, I don't want to say a curse word, but like half ASS do my (laughs) medical stuff over here. And then like half ASS take care. It's like, I sometimes I feel like a trampoline because I'm like, okay, I got to do this, you know, and then I got to come over here to help. So, and then there's charting on top of all of that. So it's like, yeah, when I have somebody there to help specifically, that is their job, right? That is, they are there to support mom. That is their only thing that that they are focused on. It helps mom because she's getting more attention and more support. It helps partner because again, it's, you know, just a supporting partner too. And it helps me and it helps provider. It helps everybody. So very supportive of doulas, big fan, as long as they, you know, are, well-educated in what the roles of a doula, like, like they're not trying to, and I guess this kind of goes into the next part of the question, what you're asking about, but they're not trying to answer questions for you or speak over you or give their own personal, like, oh, well, I think you should, you know, don't, don't even don't even worry about what he just said. Like, you know, do this or, you know, do that. I think you can do that to a degree. Like you can say, especially if somebody, if you do have a really, like, hopefully this doesn't happen, but maybe you have a provider who is, you know, more bullying and you do need your doula there to kind of be more of an advocate role. But there's a fine line, right? You don't want a doula who is like that, who is speaking for you, who is saying she doesn't want this. She doesn't want that. And, but, when in fact, maybe, maybe you kind of were on the fence, but your doula is a little bit like she kind of is inserting a little bit more of her personal opinions here, you know? So we kind of look for that, but yeah, as long as doula is focused on mom, she's not doing medical stuff. I mean, I haven't had a doula yet, you know, doing like really like doing cervical checks or like doing that sort of thing. Oh my goodness. But we've we've had, yeah, (laughs) doing out of scope. Exactly. But we've, but we've, I mean, that happens, you know, so it's not, I've not seen it, but I've heard it that specifically and, you know, other sorts of like medical kind of things, like taking a blood pressure and saying, oh no, your blood pressure is fine. You know, it's like that kind of stuff that's kind of out of their scope. So I would say when you're interviewing and looking for a doula, ideally you want to be doing this during pregnancy, right? you know, well kind of away from your due date. So you build a relationship with a doula just in case you 
start to interview somebody and you don't really like them. And then, oh my gosh, I'm doing a week. I'm kind of stuck with this lady. Oh no, what do I do? You know, so you want to kind of think about this a little bit early and finding a doula, somebody that jives, you know, with your personality and has your best intentions at heart. I usually always say, unless, see, now this is me because I had a quote unquote doula at my birth, but she was a labor delivery nurse. She wasn't like a certified doula, but I always kind of encourage moms to go to pay. If you're paying a doula, you want, usually want a doula that has been certified in some way, right? They're not just like, this is, you know, I'm a doula because of, because I say so, you know, they actually have had a little bit of training and then you can give them your credit card, right? So I like the training. Um, I like, you know, open communication. You're getting that, you know, those personalities that jive because I mean, and that is so important too, because I think we've all kind of experienced this. Like maybe we've, we've had, you know, been to a great doctor and they're a great doctor, but they don't have good bedside care and you don't jive well. And, you know, you want to change doctors because you just don't like their personality. Like same kind of goes for a doula. You want to find somebody who kind of works with their personality. So yeah, I would say interview them. If you don't like the first one, that's okay. You don't have to feel like you're stuck, you know, keep interviewing unless you're in an area where there's, they're really not a whole lot available to you. Then you're kind of, you know, a little bit more trapped, but like I live in a bigger city. There's gosh, there's doulas all over the place. So there's usually going to be multiple options for you to interview somebody that works well for you. Right. Absolutely. And we have doulas trained specifically in VBAC that have taken our birth professionals training. You can find them on our website, the vbaclink.com slash find a doula, but also while we're still building our database of doulas, there might not be one close to you. Another good reason resource is doulamatch.net um, yeah. and then reach out to them and ask them um, what training they have in, in VBAC specifically. I like that. I didn't uh, know about that website. That's cool. Yeah. It's a great cool. one. Okay. I have another question really quick. Yeah. This one should be pretty easy, but I think okay. it's a really good one for people to know. Okay. Um, it says, what can I do if I have a nurse who is not comfortable and supportive of VBAC and that's yeah. who was assigned to her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's tough because your nurse plays such an important role in your birth, whether you're VBACing or whether you're not VBACing. So I would say to somebody who is not, you know, who they get an assignment, uh, you know, they come into the hospital and, you know, they, they get their nurse assignment and their nurse is just like not you know, doing anything <laughs> right or just, you know, they're just getting a really bad vibe. It is absolutely okay to request to, you know, speak with the charge nurse. Um, we, you know, it's not, you're never going to go to the hospital, to a hospital and just, there's only one person working there. Um, and there's always, uh, there's usually always an option to switch nurses, especially if you're at a bigger hospital and there's just more on staff. Yes, it is busy and you might have to, you know, we might have to make some adjustments, but if you are really, really uncomfortable with your nurse and you feel like you're not, you know, being taken care of, if they're not comfortable with the VBACs, I would definitely ask to speak with the charge nurse, see if you can change that assignment or just speak with the charge nurse and say, Hey, I'm kind of getting this vibe. Is this is this person like, are they new or what's going on? Because maybe it's just, maybe it's that they do really do have your best intention and they know all about VBACs, but they're just, you're just getting a bad, or they're having a bad day. I, you know, it's like you just communication. (laughs) That's the, that's the answer to the question. Communication. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are scared to do that. And so hearing like that from a nurse, it's okay. We want, we, yeah, it's okay. You can absolutely talk, you know, that's why I encourage, I have a whole section in my course about advocacy and like the fact that it's okay to speak up. You're not a bully or you're not, because I think so many of us are, you know, we've, we've kind of evolved into being a very polite society, which is good, right? Politeness is good. Unless you're on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Social media is a whole nother realm. I'm just saying behind a computer. You know, you know. I'm going to pull us back on track before I get (laughs) off on that one. (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. But yeah, I I encourage people to speak up if they feel like they're not, you know, being treated right. It's okay. Nobody's going to say, oh, you know, and even if they do say, oh, you know, you, you, it's okay. You can speak up for yourself. You can advocate for yourself. It is totally fine. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think that's really good. Like I've had clients before too. And as, as we prepare for VBAC and depending on the type of birth they want, like most people don't know that they can go in and ask to be assigned a nurse that yes. is comfortable with hypnobirthing or that loves VBAC or one who who knows how to use a peanut ball or whatever, like for whatever type of birth you want, you can ask to be assigned a nurse that loves that or is comfortable with that. And then I feel like I am okay for saying this, that most labor and delivery units are happy to accommodate that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and even if that is you calling beforehand and just, you know, asking questions like, Hey, I'm coming up to the hospital now. I'm really planning on backing. Is, is there any way that I could get a nurse who's like really like gung ho, like VBAC, like, you know, Mrs. VBAC, right? <laughs> like, can I get a nurse like that? It's okay. You know, you can call, we'll answer. <laughs> you can call ahead of time or, you know, if you show up in, in triage, y- you can certainly ask that question. Maybe that's in your birth plan, right? Maybe that's like bullet number one on your birth plan. Like, Hey, you know, can I, can I please request somebody who's like extra, extra VBAC friendly? But yeah, and we also, we also do, we try to do a fairly good job of saying, okay, this patient, like, I feel like I always get the patients who are trying to go without an epidural nowadays because I did that during my own birth. And like, I just really love taking care of those patients, those kind of patients, because I just know how to take care of those patients really, really well. And my charge nurses know that. So they give me those assignments. So we try to, you know, already kind of know that information coming in, like, uh, maybe we shouldn't give this patient to this nurse. This nurse isn't, you know, she's kind of more old school or, you know, whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we try to do that already, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's totally fine to bring that up. Like whether it's you are calling on the way to the hospital or, you know, you're saying that in triage or it's on your birth plan or whatever. Totally fine. Good, good advice. Well, we have run out of time. Yeah. But we <laughs> are so excited um, to have had you on our podcast. We absolutely love and adore you and everything you're doing. Thank you. Everybody, if you haven't already, if you didn't listen to me the first time I told you, do it now. Go follow her <laughs> and find her um, Mommy Labor Nurse on Instagram.com. And Liesl, how else can people find you and where can they find your class? Yeah. So obviously, yes, I'm on Instagram. That's, I think, where most people know me and where most people find me is via Instagram. And I'm just mommy, lab- mommy.labornurse on there. Um, can you believe mommy 
just at mommy labor nurse was somebody else. So I couldn't, oh, I couldn't, really? yeah, so oh, I could no. not have the dot. <laughs> so it's mommy Dang dot it. labor nurse is my handle. <laughs> um, but I'm sure if you type in mommy labor nurse, my little picture will pop up. But yeah, yeah so I'm mommy dot labor nurse on Instagram. And then I also have a podcast, obviously, yeah. um, just on, it's just the mommy labor nurse podcast on, you know, Spotify or Apple or whatever. And then my courses, yeah, I have a website too, which is just mommy labor nurse com and I have you know just it's a blog that's kind of the first thing I I did in my online journey <laughs> I did a blog so it's mommylabornurse.com I have a bunch of articles on there and then my courses yeah so I just came out with my updated courses a couple I guess I want to say I almost said a month ago but it was literally last week like I was still in my it feels like it was forever ago it's weird <laughs> it was last week yes it was it was last Monday and oh I'm like what the gosh. heck I feel like I've done so much stuff since then like what yeah it's weird I don't know time is weird <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah they are at mommylabornurse.teachable.com it's just you know you just put teachable in there and I have my natural series so there you know I have two prenatal classes I just came out with my natural series is for mom who wants to go a little bit more natural. And when I say, when I say natural, I don't mean to bash anybody who's had a season. Like I say that in my, the first lesson of my course is like, I'm defining the word natural because I'm sorry that I'm like calling it the natural series because some people really have, you know, an issue with that word, mm -hmm. which I understand. But that is just a course that is kind of tailored a little bit towards a mom who would want to do a little bit more natural, unmedicated without an epidural kind of birth. And we still, it still has all the anatomy and physiology stuff in there. It still has, you know, how to get through labor contractions, postpartum stuff, like special considerations, all this good stuff. So I have that one. And then I have almost the exact same course, a lot of overlapping material, but I have my birth it up the epidural series. So this is more for a mom who says, you know what? I just, I really want an epidural. I don't even, I'm not even really into the whole natural labor thing. I, I don't really want to do that. Um, so that's more for a mom kind of answering that question. But we also go through, there is a lesson called, oops, I, I accidentally went natural because that happens a lot of the time, <laughs> <laughs> as we all know, <laughs> that you go a little too, bit too fast for your epidural and kind of what to do if you get in that situation and how to avoid it if you really, you know, if you're like married to your epidural, as some would say. So we have that in there. But yeah, those are my two prenatal courses. I have a couple other products on, on there. People love my my sleep course, my baby sleep course that I did with mm. what my partner, Andrea, she's great, but planning on updating that too this year. But yeah, my courses, my prenatal courses are the big, people love those. And those are at mommylabornurse.teachable.com. We love Teachable. We I know. It's so yes. easy. Well, yeah. So easy. So fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We're going to yeah. have links to all of those things that Lisa just shared with us in our show notes. So if you don't want to type out all the letters, just go ahead <laughs> and find the show notes and click on the links and it will take you right there. Um, well, thank you so much again for yeah. being on our podcast and for having such an incredible presence on social media. I love it. The way you educate moms is just really inspiring and creative. So thank you. Well, thank one you for more plug me. for your Instagram account. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> thank oh, you. thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.